That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Anya? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. And if you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball, kind of whenever, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, I'm your host, Cristiano. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing real well this week. We got some more baseball to talk about, as always. It's been a minute. We've had, uh, you've had some power outages. We've had some conflicts. But we are back to talking about baseball. I'm glad uh, it's finally back. Yeah, some weird stuff. Tropical storm Isais yep. uh, came around, took some trees out, and uh, yeah, messed up the week a little bit. I've been a little off the grid. But yeah, it's been a pretty fun week of baseball going on. I think, I think we're, at this point, we're kind of seeing the identity of, of teams right now. You know, yeah. it's no... We're about a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, at least most, most teams are. played 15 games already. Yeah. Some so, you know, play. at this point, you know, in a regular season, it would be mid halfway through May. It would have been a month and a half of baseball. You know, this, this has been about three weeks. Um, and, yeah, so now we're kind of seeing the direction things might take. Uh, very, very interesting uh, week of baseball. But the first – yeah, the, the first thing we have to address, something that happened, I think it was Monday. Um, Mike Soroka mm-hmm. uh, tours Achilles and um, is out for the season for the Braves. Uh, a huge, huge blow to that Braves team, which was definitely going to be a contender in the postseason and still can be. This one hurts, Chris. This is the last thing you want to see if you're the Braves. Yeah, you want anyone else to go down but him. This is a guy who he's, what is he, like 24, 25 years old. He's still very young. He worked his way into being the ace of that rotation. Uh, was in the Cy Young voting last year, uh, finished third in the Rookie of the Year. Or was he second? He was second in the Rookie of the Year voting last year. But this is a guy who's worked really, really hard to get to where he's at. And, I mean, if you saw the play that he got injured on, it was one of those where you just knew right as it happened, this ain't good. Yeah, it was weird. I was, I was watching um... – I was watching that game because it was DeGrom and Soroka, you know, a matchup you want to see. And it was this, their second matchup against each other. And, like, I saw like I saw him, I saw the play, and I was like, huh, that's weird. That's got to be, that's got to be a crazy injury if he just kind of let out like that. And it was. And that's, yeah, that's terrible. And, you know, that was the head of your staff. And Mike Fultonevich is not, um, the person that I thought he was going to be, and the player that I, the nobody thought he was going to be like this. Yeah, and you know he's back down to AAA because I think his his fastball velocity went way down, and mm-hmm. uh, you know for the rest of the staff, I mean you lost Julio Tehran in the off season, which is a which is a blow, and then I guess you got Max Freed and um, a few other guys. I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, who? That kind of takes a lot. Yeah, that takes a lot of a lot of depth out of your rotation. I mean, that's your guy. You know, that's your ace. They're playing a doubleheader today. Uh, Max Free, the guy you just mentioned, is actually on the bump right now as we speak. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've kind of had to reach a little bit. 
you know, thankfully the Braves have the luxury of having some good pitching prospects. They kind of went bullpen game in the first uh, first half of this doubleheader that they had today. Um, I'm trying to look at who else they've had go recently. You got Cole uh, you Hamels. Kyle Wright, Kyle Wright pitched yesterday. I was kind of hoping that they would take the stroke injury as an, as an opportunity to call up Ian Anderson, who, of course, is uh, it was my guy to look for on the Braves, uh, fellow 518 guy just like me. But they did not do that. And, I mean, hopefully he can get recalled at some point. I do think with the lack of rotation depth that they have as of this point without Soroka, uh, you probably could see it at some point. Uh, yeah. It, they did acquire uh, Cole Hamels. I'm trying to think. Has Cole yeah. Hamels been on the hill at all? Because I, I don't recall seeing him. No, he's, he's been yeah, hurt. He's, yeah, he's, he's injured. But they've still been – They've still been winning games, though, to their credit. Yeah. You know. They've been pressing. They're in first uh, – well, aside from the Marlins, who we'll talk about later, you know, they are in line for a playoff spot as of now. Um, they're 10-6, up to nothing on the Phillies right now. So it definitely is encouraging to see the Braves still moving right along, just keeping the line moving without their guy at the top of that rotation. Yeah, especially, like, you know – Teams will lose guys periodically throughout the season, but when it's your pitching staff, that's a huge blow, especially in a season like this when guys are still kind of working up to full strength because uh, they had a shortened spring training. So guys are still tr- you know, trying to work to full strength. So you need as much p- pitching depth as possible. And when you have a guy like Mike Soroka yeah. and a guy who can eat innings like him, uh, you have them hit the injured list, that's going to be a huge blow. But they've seemed to work the, their way around it. Um, and, I mean, they – yeah, I mean, who have they Who have they faced? They, they have, faced the Mets. Well, they faced, they faced the, uh, the Blue Jays this week. They have the Phillies this weekend. Uh, they do have young guys like uh, Sean Newcomb and Tuki Tucson who have been able to step up for them in Soroka's absence. But, you know, those guys, you really have to question – I mean, it is only a two-month season, so it's not like they have to grind it out for six months, luckily. But how long can they hold this rotation together, and can they get them through the playoffs without Soroka? Because Soroka was very good for the Braves last year in the playoffs, too. Uh, yes, he was. He was. And, uh, yeah, Tuki Tucson has kind of made a step up. I think he was He was at one point, I think he was like a top 100 prospect in, in baseball. Yeah, they, had a lot of, they had a lot of pitching prospects. They had Colby Allard, who's on the Rangers now, who looked good yesterday. They traded him for Chris Martin. They had, they had him. They had Tuki Toussaint. They had Newcomb was even a top prospect. Right now they have Ian Anderson. Uh, they had Soroka, who was a top 100 prospect at the time. The Braves have had a lot of uh, big pitching prospects in the recent years, and Soroka's kind of established himself as the guy who can be that ace moving forward, and that's yeah, – they're going to have to do it without him for this year. Yeah, I mean, like Soroka last year, he had a 2.68 ERA, and his ERA plus must have been more impressive because – It was 169. His, his ERA plus was 169 last year? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, and that's a guy – like a guy doing that in his rookie year – that's quite exceptional. Even, even if the fielding independent pitching isn't like match. Oh, Chris, Chris, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was 171. My my bad. Mike Stroka. I'm sorry to sh- uh, give you short change on that one. His ERA plus is 171. 
I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, he had a yeah. 171 ERA plus last year, and as a rookie, and you know, even if the fielding independent pitching is a little off, that's I mean, it's exceptional still. And like, yeah, he was the best pitcher on a team that made the that was you know back to back National League East champs, and uh, yeah, tough blow. Hopefully he'll be Especially able to get their team that was looking to, to make a jump past the first round of the playoffs this year. Yeah, big time. And, you know, in a, in a three-game series, uh, which is how the playoffs are going to start this year, not having an ace like Soroka is really going to show. Um, yeah. I was talking – go ahead. Yeah, I was talking with someone this weekend about that three-game opening series. And, you know, if a team has two really good pitchers, they're pretty much set. Like, starting pitchers, like, imagine if you go against the Tampa Bay Rays, you have to face Charlie Morton, Tyler Glassdown, and Blake Snell. Nobody wants that. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants, wants that. I mean, yeah. like, the Indians are a team that I'm thinking of. I mean, if they yeah, – Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, Aaron Savale. Even if they're – Even if they're a seventh or eighth seed, I mean – Bieber and Clevenger or, you know, Savale could work himself to the number two role. Uh, yeah, I mean, those guys, could, those guys could compete against anyone. Yeah, that's, that's very, very interesting. And, like, I'm thinking, you know, the Yankees, they have Cole, but, the, you know, their number two starter might be a question mark. So that might be a disadvantage in a three-game series. But, you know, their offense is still amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be fun. It'll be fun when we get there. But yeah, the Mike Soroka injury, very unfortunate um, for, you know, especially Braves fans and the league as a whole. You hate to lose a young pitcher like that. Yeah. Hopefully he can get back on the horse in 2021. Um, some more bad news coming from, go- coming from St. Louis. Uh, continued postponements. Uh, they have still yet to play a game since what was it? The first week of the season. It was. They've played five games so far. They're two and three. By the way, uh, while we're still on the topic of the Braves, I know we're not, but Ronald Acuna just hit his second home run of the doubleheader. Oh, there we go. That's yeah. that's pretty huge. Went Oppo off Spencer Howard. There we go, Ronald Ronald Acuna. Are you two screening it right now? I am. I got the Angels and Rangers on one screen. Uh, is Rafael Montero closing it out again? No, I don't think that's him. I don't think it is. Uh, but yeah, the Rangers. Okay, we'll 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 discuss we'll discuss the Rangers later because I have I have a point on them. But yeah, I mean the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, while we're there, they're two and three. While while you know the Yankees are are ten and six. So. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's what I would call slightly alarming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, being two and three, I think a lot of people don't realize, for specifically the Cardinals, because I think at this point, uh, their hiatus has been longer than the Marlins, right? Is that correct? Or at least it's close to it. Yeah, it's 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 been longer than the um, than the Marlins and the Phillies. So they're going to have to play so many double headers in the next two months or so, maybe not even, not even two months, like a month and a half. Uh, it's going to wear them out and it's going to cause uh, 
a lot of deprivation on their team, which, you know, it sucks because that's a team that was supposed to compete. You know, you have Jack Flaherty heading that rotation. You have a pretty good lineup, good bullpen as well. Uh, it sucks that this team is really going to be worn out by the amount of doubleheaders they're going to have to play because of a couple guys going out to a casino. Uh, so I think it really shows the magnitude of how much, um, you know, the outbreaks can cause among teams. Yeah, yeah, it, that's a good point you bring up because, you know, especially, yeah, these double headers, you know, Jack Flaherty is, you know, coming from last year, one of the hottest pitchers on the planet, and he can only go every every five days, and you might be playing seven games in five days, so you're not yeah. getting him every five games, you're getting him every five days, so that definitely then- puts them behind the eight ball there. Yeah, I mean, in a short season, you don't have the luxury of being able to spread your doubles headers out uh, over five months. You have two months, and you have – how many games have they missed? Like seven or eight? That's eight double headers you're going to have to play in the next month and a half, pending any rain delays you have, pending any more games you have to miss. Because guess what? The, the, week, the week ahead, their series against the, against the Pirates, that's canceled too. So that's three more games you're going to have to make up to the double headers. Yeah, it's uh, – it's – crazy i mean like uh and it's it's you know i guess it's fortunate and unfortunate that it's only one team so that it only really affects them and you know i guess the teams they're facing but not to it a as much of a degree as you know the card as the cardinals you know like the cubs will only have to play one or two double headers but the cardinals uh, are gonna have to play so many double headers yeah, I mean, they are. I mean, that's going to wear them out, like I said. And also, you talking about the other teams that they're playing, that actually leads me to my next point. Do you want to know, between the Marlins and Cardinals outbreaks, do you want to know how many teams have had their schedules altered because of this whole thing? Um, 14. 14, not as much. 11 still. 11 teams have had their schedule. Let me, I have the list of teams right here. The Marlins, Cardinals, Phillies, Yankees, Orioles, Pirates, Cubs, Brewers, Blue Jays, Nationals and Tigers have all had their schedules altered due to two teams, just two teams out of those two or out of those 11 that screwed up. And now the whole league is sort of shifting, you know, like the pirates are going to have to play three double headers that they didn't ask to be played. The Cubs are going to have to do the same. The Yankees made theirs up. Uh, luckily the Phillies made theirs up as well, but there's plenty of other teams out there that still have to make up a ton of games. Uh, that they didn't, which, you know, it sucks for them because they did nothing wrong. And now they have to, they're subjected to doing all this in such a short amount of time. Yeah. The, uh, the effect of these outbreaks are spreading like a virus, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, you know, it is funny that it's like, Oh, it's two teams and it's spread out to 11 teams kind of Mm -hmm. like, kind of like a virus, how, how that works out, uh, full circle there. But um, what, you know, we talk about the Cardinals and the Marlins as examples of teams doing the wrong thing, but the Cleveland Indians are doing the right thing. Uh, I believe you have more details on, on this story. This is very interesting and yeah. probably an example, you know, this, the Indians are setting an example uh, by what they're, they are doing. So Jeff Passan put out a tweet just before we started recording that said, quote, 
Ken confirmed that the Indians sent home starter, sent home starter Zach Plestack after he violated the team's rules by leaving the hotel to go out in Chicago, as The Athletic reported. Cleveland has been extremely stingent with protocols, and this action is a warning to their players and perhaps others. And I love this. Like, this is the Indians doing the right thing. Zach Plesak is a difference maker on your team. He's been striking a lot of guys out. And, you know, as we mentioned, you know, in their rotation, that's another guy that fills their depth. But, you know, they are making no exceptions. And, you know, you can't be leaving your hotel. You can't be going out. As much as it sucks and as much as you want to, like, then you've got to stick to the protocols. And, you know, you don't want to cause another outbreak and cause more teams to go off the grid. I mean, imagine being the Chicago Cubs right now. Like, how mad could you be? Like, your, your team is playing really well. You have one of the best records in the National League. You have a big series coming up against another competitor in your division. At the last minute, oh, sorry, guys, we got to pack it up for the weekend. Like, we got to get out of that routine that we were doing really well, and we got to start again, build new momentum. Yeah, it is funny because, uh, yeah, that momentum is, is mm-hmm. very huge. And I remember when, um, remember when that, uh, that new playoff proposal was announced in like um, January or yeah. November. I yeah. forget when, when it was like 14 teams and the, the one seed would it's wait a like a week. Yeah. And yeah, Trevor Bauer remember, off about that. Yeah. He talked about, um, he talked about how important it was to be on an everyday routine for the team. It, he was saying that that by for a baseball team is a punishment. So, you know, the, the Cubs right now, I mean, it's not a playoff situation, but the Cubs, you know, they're 10 and three. I think they have the best record in the national league. Um, yeah. Like wins wise. And all of a sudden they have to come to a halt. You know, everything, everything that's working for them comes to a halt and they have like a four day, four days of just nothing because of, uh, because of, What's going on in St. Louis? Chris, I got some good news. Your guy, AJ Pollock, just hit a three-run home run to put the Dodgers in front. There we go. Shout out to yeah. Hebron, Connecticut. That's right. I've the the Hebron Fair. Hebron Fair is a good fair. I would I will say, I've enjoyed it. He just he just put the Dodgers on top. Uh, do you have any other points about uh, this whole Zach Plesac thing? I mean, I think the Indians are doing the right thing, and I think it sends a message out to the players, even if that message wasn't sent due to the outbreaks already. Uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I like it uh, because, you know, no matter what the players are doing, I, I want, selfishly, I want the spread of this among the league to stop uh, so that baseball is still being played for the entire season. Yeah. Um, yep. not, not just for, you know, the health of the general public, but I want this baseball to still be happening because the threat of the season has has already loomed over us, but it looks like we're still going. And, you know, with the Indians doing stuff like this, um, they definitely help, help that case out. And the next, next topic that we have, uh, the Miami Marlins, as we have mentioned before, um, they're doing like, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know even who is, kind of the conductor of this crazy run that they're on. I think they're – did they uh, – or they win or lose today? They lost to DeGrom, but no shame in that. Okay, so they were at one point seven and one, and now they're, they're, now, uh, now they're seven and three. And I said 
episode three. Yeah, you're right. Still, I put I put in the notes. I said Marlins pulling a 2019 Mariners on us because I'm thinking maybe, you know, we know how the Marlin or the the Mariners been, started uh, last year. They were 13 and two, and then they ended up being in last place. And I'm feeling like the Marlins might might just be doing that to us. Well, see, here's here's what can counter the Marlins doing that. One, they don't have they don't have 150 games after this really good start to then come back down to earth and then easily come in last. And they have an 18 playoff format. They can finish in third in their division and still be fine in this run. Uh, so at the beginning of the season, their fan graphs odds to make the playoffs were 9% coming into this weekend against the Mets. They were up to 20%. And, you know, they're, they are an interesting team now. Like they are a quarter of the way through the season. The Marlins are in the playoff format. They, they are first in the division also, pending a Braves win to, uh, in the second game, I believe. I think the Braves could move into first. But you got to keep your eye out on Miami right now. Like, it is close enough to the postseason where you could seriously consider them legitimate candidates. Yeah, I mean, if they keep this kind of good streak going for a few more weeks, I mean, the odds of them being in the playoffs is very good. Um, it, I mean, it's a very, uh, very interesting way of their winning games. Sometimes it's sometimes it's a dominant pitching performance. Sometimes it's a dominant offensive performance. Um, they're, fun to, they're fun to watch, and this they're doing this off of what I imagine would be a very depleted roster because they, you know, a lot of those guys tested positive for COVID nineteen and they're not playing right now, but mm-hmm. uh, they seem to be doing doing something seems. Some, something seems to be working for Miami uh, so far in 2020. So I have a few notes on the Marlins. For one, they have used 41 players so far this season. There are 41 people who have made appearances for this team. 27 of them are pitchers, I believe. Uh, the rest are position players, which is hilarious. It might be more than that even. Um, but yeah, 41 players that have been used. And I have two offensive catalysts for them. One of them is Jesus Aguilar. Uh, he hit a home run today against DeGrom that went to the moon. Uh, and he upped his OPS to 1036. And the other guy I want to talk about is sort of the, almost like the face of the Marlins throughout this entire rebuild. Uh, it's been Brian Anderson. He is a third baseman who's, who's been you know, exceptional for them. Uh, I think he can continue to grow. And this year, especially, he's hitting 303, 410, 545 with a 956 OPS. Also, with runners in scoring position, he is five for eight with a triple and a home run. Uh, that equates with everything else to a 1917 OPS. 1917. That is, uh, that is the year that, of course, Shoeless Joe Jackson won his first World Series, first and only World Series um, against. Right, and it uh, also brought OPS with runners in scoring position. Uh, that is also Brian Anderson's OPS with runners in scoring position. Is that is that for the whole year? That is for the whole uh, ten games or so. There we go. Quality, quality yeah. stuff there. If you want to listen to the Shoeless Joe Jackson episode, <laughs> it is part one of episode thirty-nine. It's available right. on all platforms. But yeah, the uh, the Marlins because of. Guys like that having a having a nice hot streak. Yeah, the Marlins Other teams. Have, the Marlins have forced us to pay attention to them. We have to now. We have to care. There's no excuse. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we got to do it. They, uh, they, they were not looked at positively before the season for good reason, but now we got to, we got to check them out. We got to keep an eye, one eye open on the Marlins this year. Some other teams, another team that is having a hot streak was kind of expected to do well, maybe not as well as they're doing right now, but the Oakland athletics as of right now, as of this recording, they have an eight-game winning streak. They are 11-4, and four, and they are leading the American League West by a good margin, I believe. And they are currently leading the Houston Astros 6-2 in the bottom of the seventh. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty big, especially, I mean, the Astros. Sweeping the Astros, that's, that's huge, especially when that's they're all fits. I've ever seen one. Uh, what was that again? That's a, that's a banger of a weekend if I've ever seen one. Yeah, that, that would be a. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh. That's not trash at all. Definitely not trash. Definitely, yeah. definitely a banger. But yeah, yeah. the uh, the athletics. So you had you had notes in the Marlins. I've got some good notes on the on the athletics. Do you also do you have any good notes in the athletics? I do have a couple notes. I'll let you go first, though. So. On this winning streak, and of course, you know, this is, we are recording at about 6.30 p.m. on uh, on Sunday. So this could be a nine-game winning streak and all the stats could be different. But coming into, coming into Sunday, uh, they had an eight-game winning streak. On their winning streak, their 187 team ERA ranks second, and their 2.41 team FIP leads the league. And specifically, their bullpen is, has been excellent on their winning streak on this eight game winning streak coming into Sunday, their 090 bullpen ERA and 1.43 bullpen FIP both led the league. And this is coming uh, in 30 innings pitched from their bullpen. And if you want to go based individually, Frankie Montas on the starting staff, he's gone 14 innings pitched allowed one run and allowed a 380 OPS against him. Uh, Liam Hendricks, the closer for the Athletics, on this eight-game winning streak coming into Sunday. Six innings pitched, one earned run, nine strikeouts, no walks, uh, and also four saves. Joaquim Soria has been excellent. Four and two-thirds innings pitched, no runs, ten strikeouts during this eight-game winning streak. How about that? Coming into uh, Jake Diekman. Four innings pitched, no runs, one hit, five strikeouts. And uh, J.B. Wendelkin, he's gone four innings pitched and allowed no earned runs. He's allowed one unearned run, but no earned runs. So they've been excellent as a bullpen and as a general pitching staff during this win streak. So I was watching their game on Friday against the Astros, which ended up going 13 innings, which, you know, is an anomaly in 2020 with the extra innings rule. Yes. And un- unbelievably, it took until the fourth inning of extra innings for anybody to score a run, which is unprecedented considering you have a free runner in scoring position to start the inning. Uh, but Jake Diekman uh, ended up pitching a scoreless inning in extras, and then Jay- Jay- uh, Wendelkin, uh, what's, what's his first name? What are the initials? JD, JB? JG. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, he pitched three innings. He did allow a run, but that's okay because the A's ended up winning anyway. Uh, Allowed two hits, one run, one walk, and one strikeout. He looked really impressive. 
Uh, also, in the 13th, the, a- the A's were down to their last strike, and Austin Allen, rookie catcher, I believe, uh, sliced one up the middle towards the left side. Yeah, catcher, to tie the game. And then with two outs, Marcus Simeon uh, hit a walk-off single. So, I mean, that was a really impressive – I mean, if you just go back and look at that piece of hitting there from Austin Allen, he got a g- good piece of that ball, um, and he took it right into left center, which is awesome. Um, and it was a great game for the A's. Obviously, they won. I actually had the uh, the exact same stat on my notes about the the bullpen FIP. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, I, I would uh, imagine because I, I did have a lot of notes on the athletics, so some crossover. The one, the one thing, I, the one thing I had that you didn't have um, since August first, uh, their pitching as a whole is nearly a full win better than everyone else, according to FanGraphs. That is, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of their. They're five. The next is one point six. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's like the Indians under them or something. Yeah, they've red. been. Yeah, they've been absolutely excellent. And and you know, I did. You know, we didn't include any of the batting statistics, but I did look at them, and they're like in top five in a lot of categories for, like during this mm-hmm. winning streak. So it's not it's not just the, you know the the starting staff in the bullpen. What is their uh, – if they beat Houston, they have a four, they have a five-game uh, lead over the Rangers for second place. Yeah, they do. By far the biggest the, – or the widest – well, actually not by far. The Cubs are up by four games in the NL Central. But outside of that, that is the by far the biggest division gap, uh, and it is the Oakland A's. Yeah, and we didn't have – we didn't have the Astros in the, in the notes, but – I mean, if they lose today and they're six and nine, a quarter, a quarter through of the way through the season, not only is it a problem, but also like if the offense is not doing well, that's a very bad look you're, for them. Oh yeah, you're fooling all the haters and proving them right. Yeah. What you cannot do. Because I, I honestly bought that this offense would be just fine without knowing what pitch is coming. But based on what we've seen so far, especially from the guys at the top of that lineup, the Springers, the Altuves, the Bregmans, Correa's been very good. But other than that, I mean, they're all hitting under the Mendoza line. Yeah, it's a weird, weird dynamic there. And, um, you know, I guess also losing uh, Justin Verlander is going to have an effect. But, um, you know, six and nine, not something to, you know, if they lose today, of course. Six and nine is not something to press the panic button about, but if they continue this for continue this pace for the next you know week or so, that's a that's a problem. Uh, well, they got the Giants this week at home, and then on the weekend they play Seattle at home. So I mean, you know, definitely competition that you should beat if you're Houston. So I mean, yeah. I think this week this week is huge for Houston. Like they could really they could really lose the division this week if they don't win against the Giants or the Mariners at home. Yeah, is, uh, is one of them like four, a four-game series? I don't know. I just – Yeah, because if it's, if it's six games, you got to go four and two at least. And uh, yeah. Seven, you uh, want to go five and two. Uh, I think they have a three-game set against the Giants. And then do they play Thursday? They do not. No, okay, so it's six games. So, yeah, you got to go four and two. You gotta go at least four and two there if you're the Astros. No um, excuses. Yeah, no excuses. 
um, especially especially now. But yeah, the athletics are bringing the pain train to the rest of the uh, to the rest of the West. And if they win uh, if they win today, as of this recording, they would be twelve and four, which is mm-hmm. huge, big time for them. Yeah. And uh, some other teams in the West that are riding pretty hot. Um, another team is the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about them in our last episode as well, they're, how their uh, pitching staff has really, really improved. And I guess they keep giving us reason to talk about us, which I love. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was ready to – kind of pump the tires on the uh on the Rockies some more but also I looked at their recent schedule and I realized outside of the athletics they haven't really played the highest competition they're kind of doing what they're supposed to which is very good but I'm trying to think they beat the Padres too though like didn't they beat the Padres two out of three they did beat the Padres when the Padres were hot yeah so I'm trying so I guess the question when is... Play, when do they play the Dodgers? I think that's the question everyone wants to know. Yeah. Are, are we believing in the, in the Rockies? You know, they're probably, as of now, they're probably a favorite to make the playoffs. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what their, um, like their playoff probability is, but they're probably above 50% to make the playoffs. But yeah. are we thinking that they could possibly make a, a postseason run at, at this point? So I actually have a few notes. Uh, before I get into them, I think what's best for baseball is having the Rockies, Dodgers, and Padres all in the playoffs. It's very possible. Yeah. I mean, two of them two of them are pretty much guaranteed. I don't think the, the Giants or the Diamondbacks are going to make any sort of run, especially at this point. Uh, the Dodgers are a shoe-in. Uh, I think it's going to be between the Rockies and Padres for that, for that fourth through sixth seed, and then maybe one of them can snag the seventh or eighth. Uh, because, I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. is an electric factory. The Rockies pitching has been really intriguing. You know, we talk, last week we talked about um, Sonny Gray – or not Sonny. Why am I saying Sonny Gray? Herman Marquez, John Gray – that's why I said Sonny Gray – and Kyle Freeland. Antonio Sensatella is also doing extremely well. Also, last night, uh, this guy didn't start the game, but another five-year Jeffman pitched three shutout innings and got a win. That's big time. I mean, that's that's a guy who is a big name prospect. You got him in the Troy Tulowitzki trade. You need him uh, to step up, and if he's doing that, I mean, this pitching staff, the sky's the limit. So I do have a few notes. Coming into Sunday, the Rockies as a team had a 2.88 ERA and a 2.6 F WAR. Uh, and oh, by the way, uh, if you want to know the home road st- splits, because everyone does, it does play it does play to the usual favor. Four, a flat four ERA at home, 1.74 on the road. And I get it. You know, the, the Rocky Mountain air, it's, it's thin. The ball travels. It makes sense. They have a 2.92 FIP on the road and a 3.71 at home. There's a random dog that just – there's a dog <laughs> that is right now behind me. I think it's a neighbor's dog. I think they just ran into the, to the yard. I'm, I'm in a little screened-in area here. Anyway, that was uh, that was the neighbor's dog that just like ran to my yard. Uh, now there's now the kids are trying to find it. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, the Rockies. Uh, they have a 2.92 FIP on the road and a 3.71 FIP at home. So I mean, 
it does suggest that they are playing over their heads, and I think that's completely fair. I mean, 11-4 and four, if they lose this game to the Mariners, to which they are down to their final three outs, uh, you know, is a fair thing to say. But in a 60-game season, like 11-4 and four gives you a really good shot at the playoffs. Yeah, I, uh, I just looked at fan graphs, and right now their playoff probability is at 74.9%, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is very good to see if, uh, if you're a supporter of the Rockies. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I don't have too many notes because, you know, I talked about them. I, I talked about that pitching staff uh, last week. But they are very, very intriguing. And I do like that you bring up the point that you want, you know, for the baseball viewer, you do want the Dodgers, Rockies, and Padres all in the playoffs because mm-hmm. there's a lot of star power in there. The Dodgers, of course, is countless guys, you know, Bellinger, Betts, Bueller. Um, you know, Muncie, Turner, all those guys, Kershaw, playoff redemption, maybe. Then you got the Padres, you got Tatis Jr., um, you got Machado, love him or hate him, he's an exciting player, especially defensively. And then the Rockies, you got uh, Story, who's one of the best shortstops in the game. You got Arenado, who's consistently been one of the best third basemen in the game. Uh, you have Charlie Blackman, who is excellent especially offensively and then um and then you have the pitching staff which is also very intriguing so you have you have a lot of star power in that National League West and if they if all of them can make the playoffs and create some cool moments that you know you can put on a commercial or something that's a big big win for baseball so that is good that you brought uh that point up and I think I think what was that I have, a, I have a thought. If you're the Rockies, do you tank for the eighth seed? Um, because you don't have home field advantage, and you know your pitchers do better on the road. Also, if there's no fans in the playoffs, you don't have the pressure of having the opposing crowd, you know, cheering loudly against you. And, you know, you don't have the pressure of having uh, the Rocky Mountaineer because the pitchers are the X factor. We've seen throughout all of Rockies history, the only times the teams are good is when they have good pitching. They can always, they can have all the offense they want, but they always have pitching that can't handle the Rocky Mountaineer. This year they have good pitching and they're 11 and four. If they lose this game to the Mariners, let's say 11 and three right now. If you, if you're not, if you're staying away from your home as much as possible without having to face the, the away fans, you're kind of in good shape. Yeah, I mean, if they if they did any tanking, they would have to do it like it as soon as they like clinched a playoff spot. Yeah, they just like lose out. Yeah, because you can't like you can't try to be an. I, I guess I I guess I I I worded that the wrong way. Like, do you maybe, you know, maybe sacrifice the one and two in the division to the Dodgers and Padres, and then maybe, yeah, you know, settle well, I mean, for one of those wild card spots. You definitely can't plan on it early no, in the season, but I mean, you know, I, you know, if that situation plays out, I don't think that's the worst case scenario for Colorado. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, I guess, I guess the only problem would be like, obviously the Rockies hitters um, mm-hmm. do better when they're at Coors, but uh, I haven't looked at the splits much this year, but traditionally they're always uh they're always better at cores, but I mean, I, you know, if you, if you're like 40 games into the season and you have a better record on the road, um, 
maybe that could be a thing that happens. I'm not sure. It would be it would be a real Hail Mary, but it would be crazy to see if that actually happened. That's that's what I'm thinking. But I think the the how about that or uh, I think the the Rockies talk leads into a good how about that segment. I'm gonna I'll start because my first player that I wanted to talk about is indeed a Colorado Rocky. Um, yeah. So, and with with how about that's you know, usually you'll see, um, you'll see like some some highlights on Twitter of a guy who's hot right now. You know, a good example of that would be you know Fernando Tatis Jr. or Aaron Judge. You see that they're hot. But a guy I haven't really been seeing on social media a lot, but who a guy who has been one of the best players in baseball for the past um, week and a half, maybe two weeks, is Charlie Blackman. Charlie mm-hmm. Blackman, um, since July 29th, Charlie Blackman is hitting 550. He's hitting 550 since July 29th with a 1443 OPS and a 282 weighted runs created plus. Uh, also, since July 29th, which is 10 games in 10 games, he has had 18 RBI. And his average. So since July 29th, his average ranks first. His OPS also ranks first, minimum 20 plate appearances. His weighted runs created plus also ranks first, uh, minimum 20 plate appearances. So even the weighted stats uh, give him the nod as the best offensive player because, you know, sometimes – Those are park-adjusted. Yeah, those are park-adjusted, and he still ranks first there. So park-adjusted, he's still been the best – and also his RBI are tied for first uh, since July 29th, and his wins above replacement is tied for first. And during this time frame, during this 10-game time frame, he is 7 for 8 with a walk and a sacrifice fly with runners in scoring position. That is where the RBI are coming from, 18 RBI in 10 games. That is because he is 7 for 8, which is an 875 average with runners in scoring position during this time frame. So I, and uh, here we go. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. One, one for Charlie Blackman there. So I have, I have three guys that I'm looking at. So I can, I'm gonna switch it over to you before I get right, to them. I, I only have one. Uh, Jake Cronenworth played over 500 career minor league games. He was drafted in the seventh round. Uh, by the Tampa Bay Rays in 2015, kind of grinded through the minor leagues. As soon as he was about to get there, he ends up being a piece in the Tommy Pham Hunter Renfro trade. So now he's on the San Diego Padres. And he made his debut this season. Coming into Sunday, he had six extra base hits in his first nine major league games. Two doubles, two triples, two home runs. So this is a guy that can, you know, hit it. He can hit it over the fence. He can hit it into the gaps. He's got speed. He can do anything, and he's a middle infielder too, so you know he's probably good at defense. He is slashing, coming into Sunday, slashing 333, 357, 778 for a 1135 OPS. And also, his expected batting average and his expected slugging are both better than his actual ones, so he's hitting the ball well enough to be doing better, I guess is what I should say. Uh, His hard hit percentage is 50% which if he qualified would be in the 86th percentile. And 
is also two for three with a double with runners in scoring position. So that is Jake Cronenworth from the San Diego Padres. That is my how about that for the week. There we go. A good, a good uh, wholesome story there for our mm. for Daniel's how about that. So my second how about that player is uh, maybe my favorite player in baseball, Trevor Bauer. He's been unbelievable uh, in his first three starts. So all three of his starts have consisted of less than four hits allowed, less than three walks, and seven-plus strikeouts. He is the second pitcher in baseball history to have three such games in the team's first 15 games. How about that? So he's the second pitcher in baseball history. The first one to do that was Pedro Martinez. Was that in 2000 or 1999? It was actually when he was a Met. 2005. But that was, still, right. that was still kind of prime Pedro. And yeah. that was, I guess that's, uh, that was one, uh, one thing that separated that 2005 season. And my last how about that player is Fernando Tatis Jr. If, you've, if you're uh, not living under a rock you've known that this guy is red hot but what he's doing is also very historic so he has seven games so he homered again today so this is updated he and this is sunday by the way he had another home run on sunday he has seven games with a home run now and those are tied for the most such games with a home run in the team's first 16 games by a player younger than 22 in baseball history. How about that? I know that's a little worried, but basically he's on the best pace uh, for someone younger than 22 in baseball history. Also, he has 12 games as of now, as of, as of Sunday, the end of Sunday. He has 12 games with an extra base hit. And those are the most such games in the team's first 16 games by a player younger than 22 in baseball history. How about that? Again, he's on the, on the best pace for a guy younger than 22 in baseball history in terms of home runs and extra base hits. Even when he's not homering, he's getting a double, getting a triple. Um, he's been incredible this year, uh, definitely definitely watch him uh, for his entire career pretty much but that was uh that was our sunday august 9th edition of how about that and now we are going to get in going to go from the highs to the lows and do some slightly alarming statistics what do you mm -hmm. have i want you to go first because i'm really excited about mine all right i'll go so my slightly alarming statistic, unfortunately, is coming from a guy who was one of my players to look for. Slightly alarming. Uh, one of my players to look for. This guy uh, is on the Indians. His name is Oscar Mercado. And I was saying, you know, if this guy can make the jump offensively, he can be one of the best position players on the Indians without people even realizing it. Because this guy, you know, he can steal bases. 
and he's one of he can become one of the best defensive center fielders um, in baseball. And he's already had a couple of defensive highlights, so kind of proving my point there. But unfortunately, offensively, he's been terrible to uh, start the season. He is a 285 OPS coming into Sunday. Uh, his strikeout rate has gone from 17.4% to 30.1%. Not, not great. Slightly alarming. And his, you know, not even his expected statistics are good. His ex-WOBA is in the fourth percentile. So he's, he, he's basically playing to um, his, his level in terms of that. And of the 155 players with at least 43 plate appearances coming into Sunday, uh, of the 155 players with 43 plus plate appearances, only two have no extra base hits. And Oscar Mercado is one of those two guys. And of 208 players with 35 plus plate appearances, his OPS ranks dead last. Slightly alarming. So... You know, the Indians have been very bad offensively um, coming to start the season. You know, I, I thought they were going to be a more complete lineup this year. And Oscar Mercado is one of the guys that's kind of anchoring them so far. And I would look for him to improve because he looked pretty good last year. But as of now, he's having a terrible year uh, to start 2020. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I had the Indians winning the division, and in part because of how deep their lineup could be. And a lot of guys, such as Mercado, haven't shown it. Uh, this is not my guy, but Jordan Luplo is my guy in the Indians to look for. He just got his first hit yesterday, and it was a home run to snap an 0 for 21. Also, Acuna just went deep again. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. His, his third home run of the day, second of the game, because it's a doubleheader. Um oh, yeah. That might be a future how about that if he keeps us going. Because he, he started slow. Uh, so I went completely off the grid with slightly alarming. This is not necessarily a negative thing, but I think it's something that's slightly alarming in a different sense. So the Rangers ballpark, right? I mean, it looks like, it looks like you, can go, you can go in there and buy a John Deere tractor as well as watch a baseball game. Uh, you know, the way it looks compared to what the blueprint showed – not very far off and, and kind of a meme. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about, though. So I, I started looking into how, how different the style of play is, uh, you know, in the new ballpark compared to what it was last year in the old Globe Life Park. And in 2019, uh, Rangers Ballpark had the fifth best OPS of all ballparks with an 806. So far... This new Paul Park, Globe Life Field, the indoor one, has the eighth worst OPS, a 6.65. And, you know, I get that some people might be saying, like, well, the Rangers have, have you know, they're a really good pitching team. You know, they got Lance Lynn. They got Mike Miner. Uh, Colby Aller looked really good yesterday. They have, you know, guys like that. Fair. They were not a bad pitching team last year, though. And last year, Globe Life Park had the second worst ERA of all ballparks with a 5.24. This year, it is by far, it has by far the best ERA of any ballpark with a 2.29. The next best, I believe, is 2.88. So, you know, the ball is flying a lot more uh, in Globe Life Park, the old one, than it is 
this year, and I was watching a lot of the Angels and Rangers series this weekend, and I noticed if you go back and look at some of those batted balls, there was a lot of contact that I thought, not just, not necessarily that it was gone off the bat, but I thought it was going at least to the warning track. It would one-hop the wall, and it would, it would fall like 50 feet short. And I started thinking, like, you know, what's the deal here? Like, what's the difference? Is there really a difference between playing in an oven and playing in a building with AC? And apparently there is, and I'm going to chalk it up to that. So that is my slightly alarming statistic for the week. Slightly alarming. But also, if you're, uh, if you're a, if you're a pitcher, if you're a pitcher, but if you're a hitter, alarming. Exactly. I'm starting to think that John Daniels may have built this team in this ballpark around pitching. I mean, like, if you go back and look at a lot of the games that they've played, it's been a lot of low-scoring affairs. The first game ever played there, I think, was one nothing. in fact. Uh, the only run came on a – was it a Rugnet Odor home run? I think it was. Or maybe, no, maybe it was a double or a single or something like that. Um, yeah, it took three games for the first home run in the new ballpark, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah so definitely. that no, – definitely. Definitely. I didn't necessarily highlight the negatives of a player, but uh, I, thought that was, I thought that was slightly alarming, Chris. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, Tropicana Field is another uh, place that's indoors. And I think it's kind of known as a pitcher's park, even though um, the dimensions are somewhat hitter-friendly. And I think maybe that is a, is a thing. Like, a place with AC uh, might have, a, have an effect on, like, the travel of the baseballs. But, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Texas Rangers ballpark was known for, you know, it's humid there, first of all. And, you know, it was known for kind of having a jet stream to right center field that, you know, this new ballpark has none of that because it's inside um, and has air conditioning and stuff. I actually so. have uh, one more quick point to make. Uh, the, the park, Chris, you know, like the park factor numbers on baseball reference for each, each stadium. Yeah. And how they, they normally average out to be 100. Yeah, I know that. Uh, so right now, uh, the one the one year uh, park factor number for Globe Life Field, uh, you know, if it's over a hundred, it favors batters. If it's under a hundred, it favors pitchers. It's seventy nine. It is that seventy nine. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I know it's a small sample size, and it's probably going to even out. But I mean, normally if it's under a hundred, it's like ninety. It's no more than like ninety five, no less than ninety five. But it is down to seventy nine right now. Yeah, that's um, that's weird. I mean, it it should, it should definitely like balance out at some point. You know, maybe. No, it is it is so lopsided as far as this is. By the way, did you see uh that that Joe Adele era today in that park? Um, no, I did not. Oh, Joe. So Joe Adele. Uh, Nick Solak hit a ball into right field. And it bounced off of uh, – it was a routine play for Joe Adele. It bounced off his glove and went over to the fence, and it was a home run. Oh, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a Josh Reddick. Remember in uh, the 2017 yes. No, playoffs? no, it was beyond Josh Reddick. Like, it was even worse than that. Like, he should – like, he was under the ball, and he should have caught it. Like, Reddick at least was on the run, I believe, right? When he caught that or when he tried oh, to catch yeah, that. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, no, Joe Addo was standing flat under the ball. Like, if you can look up this highlight right now, uh, definitely look at it. And if you haven't seen it at home, uh, it was it was slightly alarming. Joe Adel, by the way, uh, I know it's, you know, I'm not going to judge him. 
based off of a few games, but hasn't exactly got the start that he wanted to yet. Uh, I was really hopeful that if the Angels called him up, he could uh, sort of – I mean, you can't make that much of an impact, but I feel like maybe, you know, his presence and how much he's been anticipated could motivate the rest of the offense. It hasn't exactly done that, especially this weekend. doesn't help that they're playing in that park that doesn't play to hitters at all. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, weird. Weird, weird how that works. I mean, I feel like indoor, you'd think it would be pretty neutral. You'd, you'd think the park factor would be like yeah. right around 100. Well, I figured, I figured maybe there'd be a drop on offense because, you know, like you're playing, you know, in the, in the old park, you're consistently playing in like 95 degree weather. Like, yeah, of course the ball is going to fly. I didn't realize it'd be this drastic at all. Yeah. I thought it would be pretty normal, but maybe like, maybe it was, maybe the, uh, the way they built, the Rangers built the team was kind of deceptive. Maybe the, maybe the offense wasn't as good as they thought it was. But I mean, the home road split, the home runs, home road splits weren't as drastic, weren't no. like drastic back then. So I don't think it was like. And I mean, people would have noticed that before. No, and the Rangers are about to be in second place once the Astros lose. So I mean, they're going to be in a playoff spot as of now. Yeah, how about that? Love it. Love to see that. Oh, that's that's uh, that's 2020 there. <laughs> All right. Do you have any more points you want to hit? No, I think we're I think we're ready to preview the uh, the upcoming week. I don't have any players to look for, but I think there's some interesting series uh, happening Braves, in the Yankees. Yeah, you got Braves Yankees. You got a ooh, you got a match. You got a rematch of the 2016 World Series Cubs Indians uh, this week. You got John Lester versus Mike Clevenger. On Tuesday, does that start the series? It does. And then you got Hendricks versus Carrasco on Wednesday. Wow, those are some good matchups. Yeah, yep. And that's it. It's just a two-game series. Uh, I'm definitely that's one I'm I'd like to watch. Um, let's see, let's see. You got Dodgers Padres again. You do in in LA this time. Um, the Rangers are still going to be home if you want to look at the lack of offense in that ballpark. <laughs> yeah in Seattle um yeah I mean I think the the most intriguing thing is I'd say Cubs Indians and Braves Yankees yeah Braves Yankees uh should be should be a good one you got two you know I, I know the Marlins are in first place technically right now but you probably got the two top dogs of each division mm-hmm. going against each other Cubs Indians yeah. is good for the pitching matchups for sure and you know Dodgers Padres uh the Dodgers won the last series that they had you know that was one of the one of our series to look for last week and they're um they're rematching this week so you know maybe the Padres can kind of have some redemption and maybe win the series and maybe legitimize themselves again um I think you know they're winning right now they'll be nine and seven uh, at the end of at the end of Sunday and uh, the Dodgers are they playing right now the Dodgers they're 10 and 5 right? uh, yeah but they're probably gonna win yeah. so that should be interesting I mean if the Padres sweep I think they're like winning that division but that's yeah. hard hard to sweep the Dodgers the Dodgers already won okay yeah yeah uh do you have a specific player at all to look for? I do not. Uh, oh, I mean, I guess 
I feel like right, we haven't mentioned this guy, but uh, Donovan Solano from San Francisco. Uh, he's sitting 455 with an 11-11 OPS. Pretty good. Yeah, he's he's uh, carrying that offense. I wanted to wait a little bit, but I mean, I feel like now that now that you asked, I might as well just let the cat out of the bag on that one. Go oh, Donovan Solano. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. uh. An, an interesting one. So that is the that leads to the conclusion of the episode. Hope you enjoyed this uh, Sunday edition, or uh, technically Monday edition Wait, of the show. Whoa, 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 whoa! There was a fight in the A's Astros game. How am I just seeing this? Hold on, who was this? Someone Ramon Laureano charged the Astros dugout like Amir Garrett on first base. Oh my God! Yeah, let's go. The first Astros fight of 2020. It came as they were getting swept. How beautiful is that? Wow. That's, Dude, that that's awesome. I love that. What a power move. You're on first base. Like, you've already, you've already gotten a partial victory. Now you're going to fight an entire team. I love it. I love – dude, I have gained – I just gained so much respect for – it didn't go very well for him. He kind of got pushed to the ground immediately and didn't really get back up. I respect the hell out of Ramon Laureano. I love it. Yeah, I got to see this. I mean, this was happening mid-recording, so it's not like we missed it. It was just just happening as we were recording. I mean, so I'm guessing maybe the A's also hit the Astros, and then the Astros retaliated? Well, I mean, it's tough to say. We, haven't, we don't know much. Uh, I mean, I think we know a lot of the backstory. I mean, I think that one's kind of self-explanatory. I'm kind of just looking right now. Yeah, I mean, you have the A's finishing in second in both 20, uh, 2018 and 2019, and you didn't know what the Astros were doing then. But Yeah, I dig it, though. We, we've talked about this. The oh, oh, my God. We've talked about how, you know, when, when John Heyman was tweeting out, you know, Joe Kelly wasn't even on the 2017 Dodgers. The Astros did not affect the season of only the 2017 Dodgers. They affected the season of everyone that they played, and they played the exactly. athletics a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm, you know, unfortunately the listeners will not get the the full story from us. I guess they'll have to find it somewhere else. But Justin Garno made a really nice tackle on Loriano. like he was charging him full speed, and Garno was like kind of like stumbling up to him. He still got him to the ground pretty easily. So. Like, I guess credit there. I mean, I guess the Astros have probably had to train, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think, I think Carlos Correa does some like boxing. Or he's, something. A, he's a UFC. He's a MMA podcast, so of course he's a great fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, both of us are. I feel, I feel bad for Alex Bregman. By the way, like Alex Bregman has been the one guy. Like when Joe Kelly threw at him, like he just took it. Like, he was like, yep, this is it. Like, this is what we're doing. Like, I feel bad for him in this situation. He's probably just like, man, I got, I got to do this again. Like, for real, it's the second time in two weeks. Like, how long is this going to go? And it, this is going to continue in the next, into next season, too, because there's a lot of teams that won't get to play the Astros this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Yankees are, you know, number Yankees one. On are, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And maybe – I don't know. Maybe the Red Sox will have a problem. I mean, they got eliminated at one point, but I mean, I guess, you know, winning in 2018 was like 
the revenge before they even knew it was the revenge, but. Well, cheers to Ramon Laureano for, for being the guy, the hero that we needed. He and Joe Kelly will make a great team. Yeah. How many games? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's just do this. How many games does he get suspended? Um, well, luckily he did not throw any projectiles. At, yeah. Um, How many games did Amir Garrett get suspended when he did pretty much the same thing? I got to say that's a six-gamer. I think that's a six-gamer. I'm going to look up how many games Amir Garrett got suspended first. After that, uh, yeah, you got to think. Okay, I think he got six. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to go six as well. I think that's a good number. Yeah, I feel, and I feel like six-game suspensions get handed out a lot for, like, fights. Yeah, I'm, I think six games is the right one. Yeah, fun. Fun, fun activities going on over in Oakland. But that leads to the conclusion of our, of our uh, Sunday or Monday edition of the show to be named later, recapping the weekend um, of baseball here from, you know, August, August 7th to August 9th. Um, we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and want to watch the show, uh, head, up, head on over to our YouTube channel. It is called STVNL with Christianta and Daniel Curran. If you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel at Daniel underscore Curran. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, follow our show Instagram. It is at STBNL podcast. Hold on. Okay, I'm looking at the video now. Ramon Loriano got hit in the head. Oh, no, okay. He got hit, like, on the front of the shoulder, but it was by one of the Astros rookies, so it's kind of stupid. Like, there wasn't any intent behind it, but he got mad because, by default, it's the Astros, and he aimed near his head. So then he, yeah. he walks he, – the umpires walk him down the first base, uh, and then he's, they keep yelling at him. I mean, that's kind of – oh, no, he, hit, he aimed at his back. Never mind. He didn't – okay, he hit him in the back. But, like, it's, it was one of the rookies, so – there's there's no intent behind that. Uh, I still love Ramon Laureano for doing that because everyone wants to fight the Astros right now. Uh, anyone's looking for any excuse to do it. Uh, so there's that. As someone who enjoys watching some physical altercations, I'll tip my cap to anyone who just goes over to a dugout and tries to fight. The, yeah, the entire the greater Houston population. Yeah, like no matter no matter the like. In well, as long as no one gets like seriously hurt, yeah, like, threatening, like it, it's okay. Yeah, I, I'm just, I like that. It's visually, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy a nice physical altercation. I kind of wish Amir Garrett was on like one of those teams that the Astros screwed out of something. Imagine if he was on the Dodgers. My God, I would. That's must-watch TV because, like, you know, he would fight. He would fight Jim Crane. He would fight AJ Hinch. He would fight Jeff Lunau. Like, he would fight anybody. He would have fought Derek Fisher, who did nothing except score the game-winning run when he, was pinch, when he was pinch running. He would have fought anyone on that Astros team and probably beat him. Yeah, he would have, he would have fought uh, Jim Crane. <laughs> <laughs> he would have fought everybody. I said the but, only thing off limits is Dusty Baker. Keep that. You know, we must protect that man at all costs. Yeah, he's a, he's a he, legend. He didn't do anything. He did nothing wrong. 
And also, yeah. he was like the most apologetic out of everybody in, in spring training. It's like, Dusty, you did nothing wrong, bud. Like, yeah, you, we are not. Yeah. All he was doing that year was leaving out Max Scherzer for like 135 pitches. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want an apology for. Yeah. I think, I think, I think uh, Washington's fine with that now, though. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they've, they've, uh, they've made their piece there. Yeah. Yeah. But hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you on Thursday.